Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There's opportunities there, but just like every other uh police department in the country and even federal uh, agencies, everyone faces this uh, manpower shortage and and a recruitment uh, deficit. Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is Chicago's interim police superintendent for a little while longer. Fred Waller, thank you so much for joining us, and thank you for your service in this, uh, what, five months now? Yeah, about that. I uh, started in May, so it's about, yeah, been about five months. Thank you for uh, having me. And you are about to pass the baton to Larry Snelling. You spent uh, yeah. 34 years in the Chicago Police Department, rising through the ranks to Chief of Patrol, Chief of Operations, and Third in Command. You came out of retirement to lead this department, hold down the fort until Mayor Johnson made his pick. Why did you decide, sir, not to uh, realize a dream of yours and and audition for the permanent job as some of us thought you would? Um, I just thought that there was uh, a time for new ideas. I had spent my time there as chief of patrol um, in 2015, 2016, I did apply for the superintendent position, and uh, I just thought it was time for you know some some new ideas and for fresh faces to uh, to lead the department. And so, what did you learn in this five months that you spent? Well, one one thing that I learned is that being away for almost three years. The police department is ever evolving and being away for three years seemed like an eternity. There's so many things that are different from when I left, so many things that have changed, so many uh, uh, imp- some, some improvements and some things that, that probably needed to be improved, but it's, it's three years seems like an eternity. But I also learned that the men and women of this department um, are still willing to do put in the work and still have a lot of pride and a lot of uh, good things that are going on in the department and the leadership uh, just kind of, I think, needed just a little uh, kind of a jump start and a refresh. Well, what has surprised you about this five-month odyssey? What's been the biggest challenge for you? I think just to move the needle a little bit with some of uh some of the supervision to let them know that it's okay. We can do good police work, even with the uh, various layers of oversight. We can still do good police work. We can still lead these uh, supervisors can still lead the men and women and the men and women can feel free to uh, do good police work out here. So 
it's been a pleasant surprise to see how well we've done numbers wise and just how we've kind of been engaged in the community and also uh, welcomed uh, a lot of the street intervention uh, teams also into the police department. So that's been probably the, one of the biggest and, and best surprises. You came off a weekend just now with zero homicides, but every single morning, Chicagoans wake up to nine or 10 or a dozen robberies. Robberies right. are off the charts. What is going on? How do you stop it? You've got strong armed robberies. People are being hurt even after giving up their property in areas that never had this kind of problem. Right. Some of these, uh, some of the people who are committing the robberies have found uh, an avenue into the, some of these areas where, like you said, they have never had these problems. And all of a sudden, uh, they found that these people are kind of unsuspecting and and unknowing that they can be robbed. So we, we're working very hard on that. We have some task force teams and uh, we're working very hard. We have made some arrests, but we have so many copycat uh, robbers. One one guy tells his friend to come over here. They're, they're not uh, alert to these robberies. And next thing you know, we have seven or eight robberies and they're doing them very quickly. And they also are using various uh, cars that are stolen. We we have made some arrests, and we're still working hard because we 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 have to move the needle on these robberies. That's that's one of our main focuses right now, as we still uh, continue to focus on violent crime. Yeah, why is this happening, and why is it happening where it's happening, and how many crews are responsible, and what can people do? Well, people can be a little bit more alert. Always, if you're confronted with someone like that, comply. Don't try to uh, fight or resist. And it's happening because in these areas, Lakeview and the like, they 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 haven't had those type of problems before. So the criminals are preying on people who have been uh, kind of unsuspecting for this, and they've they've gone about their daily lives without the, those type of concerns. So we have to make the public. Uh, aware of what's going on, what to look out for. If you see something, of course, we always say, say something, but we just have to make them aware that these people are coming from more challenging uh, places and kind of preying on them because they're unsuspecting. How many crews are we talking about? You say somebody tells their friends, oh yeah, you got to go over there because these people are really uh, clueless about how to protect themselves, they're not suspecting, so they're really easy prey. How many crews are we talking about? Well, we, we have some copycat crews. We have taken uh, some people off the street and made some arrests. Uh, so we, we can't say how many crews because if someone doesn't get arrested and he attaches himself to another crew, and when I say crew, just a group of guys, three or four, who uh, either steal a car or get into a vehicle that they own, and drive around and see someone and and they don't just go to that area they go back and forth they zigzag back and forth across the city uh robbing people as they see them so it's kind of a a, a crime of opportunity they see someone who's walking alone or a couple walking uh alone 
in a somewhat sometimes not even doesn't even have to be an isolated area. It can just be an area uh, where they feel that they can uh, take that opportunity to rob them. We we did make some headway uh, on the one robbery uh, near Chinatown with the uh, elderly uh, Asian uh, gentleman. We did make uh, some headway there and make uh, a couple of arrests. So we're still working on that also because we know there were three members. But we we we're, we're working hard. We're, it's not. We're, it's not because of the lack of effort from the officers. The mayor said you have a plan to stop this tidal wave of robberies. I don't see it. What is well, it? Well, you, you, you don't see it because you're not part of the police department, but we have some plans. I, and I, I, I don't want to give up the whole, uh, the whole plan, but as I said, we do have a task force in place, and there's certain things that we do do to to try to thwart these robberies, certain things that we do covertly. And uh, there, there are some things in place. I don't want to say exactly what it is because I, I, I know it may, it may get reported out, but there are some things that we are doing uh, covertly and working with some of our federal partners also to, uh, to stop these robberies. Are you using helicopters, drones, anything like that, any high tech stuff? Yeah, we're 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 doing we're doing all of those things, especially the helicopters. But you know, uh, again, friend, I don't want to say everything that we're doing because these things have a way of getting out. And once uh, the uh, criminals find find out what we're doing, they they change their uh, their mode. Are you using drones? I I don't I don't want to say if we're using those or not. I, I'd just rather not say. Well, there's a lot of people who feel like I don't want to live in a city where I can't go out and walk my dog or be afraid that I can't walk back from a bar on a Saturday night with my girlfriend. What, 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 I, think, people? what I'd say is that there's, there's always strength in numbers. So the more people that you walk with or the more people that you gather with, uh, most of the time, you're not going to be a victim that way. It's when you isolate yourself. And I know I'm not trying to tell people to change the way they live or their lifestyle, but just to be aware. If you see a car circling you a couple of times, then that probably is a is an alert. That's a signal. That's a signal that maybe you should take some caution, maybe go into a, a, a place, a restaurant, or into go back to where you just came from if you can. Uh, that would be an alert signal. If you see someone staring suspiciously at you, that's another alert. So we need to just make sure that when we see these things, we act on them and don't uh, don't don't be unalert unalerted to when 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 those things are happening and and don't don't act uh, don't allow yourself to just be victimized in that way. The gunshots fired at Guaranteed Rate Field during a White Sox game. Still a right. mystery, at least to the public. Surely you know at this point what happened and where the gunfire came from. Don't you owe it to the public to tell us what happened? If we knew exactly um, where it came from and exactly what happened, uh, that's still under investigation, and, and we brought in some uh some some federal partners to kind of give us uh, a hand in this. It, it, with with those type of situations, you can never be a hundred percent sure. 
uh, of what happened inside the park or outside the park. We're still looking at that and still looking at it very closely, still doing uh, uh, using technology to show us if if it could have happened from outside the park and measure the uh, just, you know, the range of, of, a, of a round coming from outside the park. So we're, we're still doing all our due diligence to uh, to look at every aspect of that, looking at cameras from inside the park to make sure that we're not missing something. So we're, we're still uh, investigating that very closely. But I mean, where does this investigation stand right now? Jerry Reinsdorf got up there and said uh, they've done a, as he put it, deep dive, whatever that means, and he doesn't see any way in the world that the shots could have come from inside the park. He's washing the team's hands of that. Is that true? Or uh, do you believe it, it could have happened outside? Well, I, I won't say inside or outside until the investigation is is complete. I spoke to Mr. Reinsdorf and I know that he, uh, I spoke to Mr. Reinsdorf and I know that he, uh, he feels very strongly because he, he has to protect his brand with the White Sox. So I understand that and, and I appreciate that, but I'm not gonna say inside or outside until the investigation is complete. Well, what is your current working theory on this? The, the working theory is that we're looking at cameras and all aspects from inside. We're looking at the shot spotter uh, alert and uh, range of, of, uh, of, of, a, of a round traveling from that from that particular area that we, we think it might have come from or that the shot spotter alerted. So we're looking at all aspects inside and outside the park. Have any suspects been identified or questioned? Um, I don't think that as far as suspects, the uh, people who, who were struck by the round have been questioned and uh, uh, they, they're identified. So as far as that goes, as far as anyone else, no. Do, do you, have you disputed completely and, and ruled out the theory that someone smuggled a gun in there and that they shot themselves accidentally? No, or that the gun um, went off accidentally that was brought into the park. We're, we're not we're not disputing anything un, until the investigation is, is completed. Is it possible we may never know? Well, I, I think I, I'd like to think that we'll come to some uh, some reasonable conclusion at the end of the investigation. I think we'll have a reasonable conclusion. We may not have anyone in custody, but we'll be able to say, uh, what we think reasonably probably happened. What's taking so long? Well, the the thing is, is that uh, when you when you look at these type of investigations, instead of rushing through them, we're looking very carefully at video and all aspects of the 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 video from inside the park. We're looking at outside the park also. Uh, there's a lot of uh, technology and, and scientific uh, equations that are that go into this, so it just it takes time. That's but all I can really say. You have not ruled out the possibility that someone brought a gun into the park and that it happened inside the park. Until the investigation is com completed, we're we're not going to rule out anything. 
A police report shows uh, that John Spellman, the commander of patrol, was working that night as a security supervisor at Your Service LLC, the company that provides security at Sock Park. Had he received approval from you or another superintendent to work that job as required by the department? When we don't we don't give out that type of information, uh, Fran, as far as anyone, anything that would be in someone's personnel jacket, as far as that approval or, or non-approval, uh, that's something that we handle internally. But a police report shows that Spellman shifted at some point to working in his official capacity and was at the center of the police investigation. And the report notably shows that Spellman was charged with informing the Sox that uh, Brian McDermott, his boss, had called for the game to be stopped, a directive that was not carried out. Did Spellman disobey a direct order to have the game called? I don't know if it was an order. I don't know if he gave an order. I think he told them to stop the game. And in the communication of stop the game, I think some protocols went into place as far as the White Sox and who they contact Major League Baseball, when probably the game should have been just, uh, if if not completely stopped, delayed. And that, that did not happen. So we, we know that that did not happen. So there was some, some, I think there was some miscommunication. And miscommunication between who and who and is an internal investigation? Uh, I would you know, say, I would say between the White Sox and that that investigation is all part of the total investigation. But I would say probably between the White Sox and the and the police department. So the game should have been stopped. Everyone thought so, didn't you? I absolutely. Why? Well, we did not know exactly what we had on our hands. Uh, that we did it didn't seem to be an active shooter but we could not have been certain so like i said if the game had not been completely uh terminated it should have been delayed and it wasn't because i think Why? you said it wasn't because it well it was because i believe there was some miscommunication and what the protocol and procedures are for the White Sox to delay or stop a game, notifying Major League Baseball, and what we what we deal with as far as a public uh, public safety aspect. Who at the police department blew it, and put the public potentially in jeopardy well, by no not one... stopping the game or not delaying the game? Well, if if I'm going to point a finger, I'm going to point that finger right back at myself. I, I'm I'm over the police department at this time as the interim superintendent. So, if there's uh, if you want to place blame, you can give the blame to myself. Well, what role did you play that night, and what should you have done different when you look yourself in the mirror? Well, when I look myself in the mirror, I probably would have uh, given that directive, no matter what. As time started to continue on and the game was not stopped myself not being at the ballpark it probably i probably would have stopped it but as i said there was some mis miscommunication i believe in stopping the game and then reviewing video to see what try to uh, ascertain what happened but when i say i take the blame because i'm over the police department 
that's what I mean. So if well, it they should have been delayed, you. they called you, right? You were there. You you were I was, called. I was I was called. I was called, okay. and I was told what 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 they had steps that they had taken. And you told them what? To continue continue on with what we said we were going to do as far as stopping the game. But you say you made a mistake by not stopping the game. The game, I said a mistake was made because the game was not stopped. The right, game was and not you stopped. as superintendent should have made sure of that. Well, I'm, I'm not going to go deep into the weeds as far as making sure it did not happen. So that's one thing we know. And that's on you. That's on you. It got, you put it on me. I'll take that. I'll well, take you're, that. you're falling on your sword, but does it deserve right. to be on you? You were the superintendent. You were called wherever you were. Maybe you were out to dinner, whatever the hell you were doing at that point. I don't know. Were you whatever? You had a Saturday night. You were with your wife, whatever. The point is. Saturday night, I'm, I'm, out, on the, I'm, out, on, I'm out on the field. Oh, you're on the street. Okay. So you were called and, and you should have said, stop the game. When they told me that, when I was notified that they had made a request to stop the game, they started looking at video and now in the communication of phone calls back and forth, the game is continuing on. And I, I'm not as true, exactly sure. I'd have to look at the timeline uh, reports as far as where the game was when I first was notified. I know they were looking at video uh, and we've, we've taken some steps to ask, to make sure that if something like that ever happens again, and we hope that it doesn't, but to make sure that we have uh, the right people in place to delay or stop completely a game like that. So, so it won't uh, happen again that way. No way. So, so it happen. won't happen again that way. Just in the communication of stop the game, uh, I think uh, the White Sox went into a mode of now we have to contact Major League Baseball and, and things like that, and that should not have happened. Yeah. A police, I, uh, you have made a series of changes to the command staff, including a significant shakeup after Larry Snelling was named the permanent superintendent. Did you have a mandate from the mayor to make such broad staffing changes? And did you consult with Snelling before you did? No, um, those were, those were uh, changes that had been in the works. It's just a matter of timing. People see it that way because they're not part of uh, the police department internally, so people see it as making some uh, a move afterward. Those are moves that had already been uh, had, had already been uh, determined that they were going to be made. It's just the timing of it. Yeah, but you could have argued that. Well, look, a new boss is taking over. I think I'm just going to call a halt to this stuff and just let him decide. Why didn't you? Well, we didn't have a definite date. You know, it, it kind of went back and forth, contemplated, and we had to continue to move forward, even though we knew that Larry eventually was going to take over. So I, I think that, uh, and, and he and I speak every every single day and, and uh, conference with each other. So I'm confident that those moves that were made uh, uh, will help the police department move forward. Why were Galen Caldwell and Carlin Morris moved into new positions while the department is still investigating allegations that they fostered a hostile work environment in the Office of Community Policing? 
Yeah, we we um we bet uh Galen was already a commander, so he was moved uh from one position to another, but he was already a commander. Carlin was promoted to commander and he was vetted thoroughly uh before he was uh promoted to that position. So there was nothing to that hostile work environment allegation in the Office of Community Policing? Nothing uh that would have stopped us from promoting him when he was vetted uh came came uh, came came about other officers you reassigned brennan brian canane and uh, or canani and joshua wallace have been named in costly lawsuits and have faced dozens of disciplinary complaints did you take any of that into account before you moved them into new roles uh, again we we vetted them thoroughly also before uh Joshua was already a commander and and Brian was the TAC lieutenant in the 22nd district. So both of them were vetted uh, before they were moved. You previously promoted Michael Bars to commander of the near north district. He is currently at the center of a whistleblower lawsuit alleging that he oversaw an illegal quota system allegations that undermine the department's reform efforts why was he promoted amid those allegations yeah um those those investigations some of them are ongoing some of them have been completed again i i trust the process that we use to vet uh people who are being promoted be it uh rank promotions or or, or the like i trust those vetting processes because there have been people that you don't know about who we've had to say no that we could not promote them because of the vetting process and things came back uh, that would uh, not allow us to promote some of those people. Why do you think it was important to end the department's training agreement with that company, Plett, the Plett training, with a firm that had close ties to former Superintendent David Brown? Well, it, there, there was no uh, justification for the amount of money that was being paid out to that group for things that we probably could do internally. And what is your response to former reform chief Tina Scahill accusing you of retaliating against her by taking that step? Yeah, I don't, I don't, as far as that goes, I don't know if there's some formal or, or some, some legal process that Tina's going through. I, I, I've always had the utmost respect uh, for for Tina Scahill as a uh, as a black female. She's been in some very tough uh, assignments, seventh district area two uh, deputy chief. So I, I had the utmost and still have the utmost respect for for Tina Scahill. Mayor Johnson campaigned on a promise to get rid of the shot spotter gunshot technology. Uh, Larry Snelling was a huge proponent and a big defender of it. Will the mayor and should the mayor keep shot spotter? I think uh, the mayor's probably still reviewing that. Uh, what what the outcome is will be, I, I don't know. Uh, I know that uh, that's something that, that he, he'll probably take into consideration and uh as as a new superintendent coming in i think uh 
Larry will play a big part in 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 what his decision will will be uh, finally. But what is your recommendation? I found uh, Shot Spotter to be helpful. I think we need to look at all aspects of it, as far as uh, how much it costs. Are there any other uh, companies out there that that uh, would give us the same uh, the same uh, uh, product? Uh, at a lesser cost. So we have to look at it from all aspects. The mayor is under pressure to close a $538 million budget gap. He's under pressure also to deliver on his promise to reopen mental health clinics, find money for non-police response to, to mental health emergencies, and make a billion dollars worth of investments in people. Some of his allies want to look at the police department's $1.94 billion budget and eliminate nearly 2,000 police vacancies. What is your advice about that? As far as uh, the budget, that's something that um, we we work very closely with the mayor's office on and, and his budget director uh, and, and trying to find ways that we can uh, be more efficient with with our manpower and with our overtime. As far as um, what he what he chooses to use, that's something that I think him and uh, uh, the oncoming superintendent Snelling will have to make some decisions on, and they're going to be some tough decisions, which they should be, whenever you're dealing with uh, those type of situations. But you're already down 2,000 officers. You're you're at a huge disadvantage. You're running up record amounts of overtime. I think it's over 175 or 200 million already this year. People are working to death, and you you're trying to improve morale. So how do you do that if you don't fill those vacancies? Well, one thing is you start by not. We we know that the summertime is filled with events. And and that's probably our, our, our most uh, violent time of the year. So we, we go back and we look at were we using that same overtime in January and February and March. And those are times when we can be a little probably be a little bit more efficient with overtime and with our manpower needs. So we have to review everything. There's a new administration coming in. I'm sure they'll look at how to be more efficient. And as I said, in those months and now in the coming months in October, November, December, those are months where we probably wouldn't need as much uh, overtime. And so that has to be reviewed. I, I don't well, know. What, what about the, the vacancies? Doesn't he need to fill those vacancies? You're down so many officers. Well, if, if you if you have a uh, uh, any suggestions on how we can uh, enhance our, our recruitment, or enhance our uh, our police uh, department. Those vacancies, we we're ta we're we're looking at every aspect. So there's opportunities there, but just like every other uh, police department in the country, and even federal uh, agencies, everyone faces this uh, manpower shortage and and a recruitment uh, deficit. Last weekend, the Mexican-American Independence Day celebrations really got out of hand. There was gridlock, there was damage to property, there was violence to police officers. One officer got half his ear cut off. There was no plan to seal off downtown streets and close expressway entrances and exit ramps, and yet the city did that. Uh, 
what is the answer to preventing this kind of thing? It wasn't a surprise. It's happened for several years now. What is the answer? First, first of all, you said there was no plan. Well, there they, the city said initially on that Thursday before that we don't intend to close off downtown, and yet they had to do it. So no, the question I, I is, how do we prevent this kind of stuff? To, to prevent inconveniencing people, prevent the delays, prevent the damage, prevent the violence. Well, the, the the damage. There were there were no windows broken downtown. There were no cars jumped on downtown. There were a but lot of cars jumped on downtown. I saw them. No, no, that's that's not true, friend. That's not true. I don't know where you were or where, what you saw, but that it did happen sometimes in the neighborhoods, but downtown. Uh, that wasn't happening. It wasn't happening on a grand scale. Uh, I was down there every night, so I, I saw firsthand, and I, I went the whole total footprint, and then then into the neighborhood. So that just wasn't true. I don't know why that narrative is being created by the press, as far as uh, that it was just total chaos. For the most part, a lot of those people came down there with their families, and they complied when we asked them to move cars and get out of the street, they complied. There was an element, a criminal element within some of those groups that tried to uh, resist that. Those people, if they uh, did a criminal act, were uh, arrested. Same thing in the neighborhoods. Uh, we had some, and whenever you have a large crowd like that, you're gonna have some disruptions. But at that point in time, uh, you know, we have to take action against those people who do those type of things that attack on the police department I, I wouldn't just put that on just complete mexican independence time i would say that that's a, a incident that could have happened even if it wasn't the mexican independence uh event it it just is shows you what how society again this culture that we live in now disrespects the police department and disrespects policemen to take uh that type of action and almost sever that officer's ear, and, and I want to say both of those officers and his partner who almost had his ribs broken, they're doing fine. So what's the answer to it? I mean, would a downtown citywide celebration to, the, the, to give people the chance to express their ethnic pride, would that prevent something like this, or is there no way of preventing it? Well, that happened. That, hap that didn't happen downtown. No, that I understand. I understand. Yeah, well... Sometimes uh, the promoters and the people who are, we, we have to get a little bit more in front of it. We had a lot of success in, 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 in directing the, the pedestrian traffic and, and the pedestrian uh, people who were celebrating. And even the, the vehicular traffic is what we, we prevented from coming downtown, especially on Saturday. They came down a little bit on Friday, but Saturday we prevented that traffic so we wouldn't have uh, the same type of results that we had last year. Now, we, we didn't have anybody shot on Saturday, no one shot on Sunday, so, not shot, but murders, uh, and, and even in that footprint. So I would say that that was uh, some improvement. I wouldn't say it's a complete win, but I would say it's some improvement. So is there any way to prevent this kind of thing? Well, 
when you say prevent this kind of thing to stop people from coming downtown period to celebrate and 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 bringing you know downtown traffic to a halt and 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 causing some of the damage that they caused or or the injuries a lot of people were very inconvenienced is there any well, way to stop that to have a downtown celebration where you put it over here and you don't tie everybody up is there any way well, we were we were we were faced with Friday with a, a concert coming out of Soldier Field that had about 40, 40,000 plus people coming out. So we gave them avenues. And what we do is we open up certain avenues, Ida B. Wells Drive, certain times. There's a method to the madness. I know some people were inconvenienced and we try to put that out early as far as coming downtown, that there could be delays and try to let people know who who are working people coming into the downtown area. I, I apologize for some of those people being inconvenienced, but it was a necessary uh, inconvenience. As we opened up certain uh, uh, ways to, to move out of downtown, we would have to shut down other places so people could not come into the downtown area and create the log jam that, that, that uh, people perceived was, was going on because it was not that way. The arbitrator's ruling allowing police officers facing the most serious punishment, suspensions of longer than a year or firing to go around the police board and take their cases to arbitration. Is that a good thing for officers? Is it justified? Um, you know, I think that that's something that has to be looked at case by case. Uh, it, if the arbitrator rules uh, in favor of the officer, uh, I would trust that the arbitrator is, is ruling in a, in a just and reasonable manner. So I think that's something that has to be looked at case by case. So is it fair to allow them to have that vehicle to go around the police board? Well, I don't think it's something that goes around the police board, just like the police board has a one person panel. Should they always have a full panel to make a decision? So it's just a process. And if the police are allowed that process, then I think they should take advantage of it. I don't think it's looked at as going around the police board. It's just another avenue to uh, hear your for your case to be heard. And the city council should approve that arbitrator's ruling or reject it. Um, I think they should approve it. He's an arbitrator, and uh, if if it's legally sound, then I think they should approve it. And there's been some furor about the fact that it would be in a windowless room and that you're neutering the police board. You say officers deserve that right if they are facing the most serious punishment. As, as, long, as, as long as the results are legally uh, sound, uh, I, I don't see a, a problem with it. But I, I, I do see also uh, that the police board is, is, a, is a viable uh, a viable board and and um, I think it should stay intact, but that's not for, for me to decide. Fred Waller, thank you so much for your service, both this time and the time before, the 34 years before, as you return to civilian life and what, take a vacation? What are you gonna do to, to catch your breath? We'll, we'll see, um, I, uh, you know, people, think that you get stressed out from this type of stuff, but when you're operational and in it, and I have a, a problem of being singly focused, uh, we'll see. We'll see what the next next uh, steps, uh, what, what they, uh, what, what it entails for me.
Are you going to miss it? Oh, I will. I will miss it. But I, I'm a, I'll tell you that I leave uh, with the with the knowledge that Larry Snelling will take us to the next uh, phase in this police department, and that I'm I'm more than confident that he is the right person, and that he uh, he would do some great things as, as the superintendent. Thank you so much for your service, sir, and we will see you all next week. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.